Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 164, the final NWTF Board of Directors nominees interviews. And I am your host and the guy who's back from Virginia. I had a great trip to Virginia to visit and hunt with my buddy John. And you know, it's so interesting hunting in other parts of the country. I get to experience how other states manage their game through their seasons that they set and the bag limits that they set as well. And I get to see how different states manage their public lands. And I get to imagine what hunting private land in Alabama was like before Farming row crops became uncool, and farming cows and pine trees and catfish became commonplace. Now, don't get me wrong here. America needs cows and pine trees and catfish, but I think that wildlife thrives around agricultural land. The amount of ag land in Alabama is roughly a fourth of what it was 30 to 40 years ago. And personally, I think our wild game is suffering because of that. All right, so I got off a track here. Sorry about that. So I'm back from the trip. I had a great time. Killed a couple of deer, killed some squirrels, and got my trip to Idaho and Washington planned on the way to Virginia and on the way back home from Virginia. Now, I just need to book some airfare and wait about five months. And just like Tom Petty said... The waiting is the hardest part. So today, we are 91 days, 9 hours, 52 minutes, and 20 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season. We are 3 months and 3 days away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this week on the show, we are wrapping up the interviews with the nominees for the NWTF Board of Directors. First up, I have Bill Lafayette from California to tell us about himself and why he is running for the Board of Directors. Listen in closely, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, I am pleased to tell you that I have on the line with me tonight Mr. Bill Lafayette who is running for the NWTF Board of Directors. And I know that Bill's been on a little hunting trip, so I'm going to pick his brain and 
get him to tell us how that hunting trip went. But first of all, Bill, how are you and where are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. It was a successful hunting trip, which always makes the having to go back to work a little bit better where you could reminisce about it. (laughs) Uh, And I'm in San Francisco today. A little warm for us, but. So you were coos deer hunting. I was coos deer hunting in New Mexico. Yeah. Fantastic. And did you get a nice trophy? I did. Luckily, it was on the first day. We were able to hike in and find them. These I've never hunted coos deer before, and I'd just come back from a whitetail hunt about a month ago in Illinois, and they might be called whitetail, both coos deer and Midwestern whitetail, but they sure are different animals. And right. We were able to find them, a good one, and we had to sit on them for four or five hours. But then he finally came out enough where I could get a shot for about a tenth of a second, it seemed like. And very proud of myself, 530-yard shot, and I was able to Holy put him down. Cow. So, and uh, he should, we did a preliminary tape uh, measurement of him at the taxidermist, and he should go boot and crock it. So, wow, uh, man, that's I was awesome. very excited, and to the guys at Desert Meadow Outfitters, Justin and Brian, who helped me out, it was a phenomenal hunt. I had a great time. That is fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like a heck of a hunt, and a 530-yard shot. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, I've been practicing. Yeah, I felt pretty confident that I'd be able to do it. Well, I, I'm not even going to brag that I shot a whitetail at 250 yards this weekend because. Of that. <laughs> oh, did you? Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard for you to get those kinds of shots down well, in the it, south. I mean, it's just it, too thick. It typically is, and you know, I actually was hunting in Virginia this past weekend, so. A buddy of mine has a farm there, and he's got several good-sized ag fields. But a 250-yard shot is really nothing to brag about, but getting some meat on the table is. So yeah, that's something to brag thing. about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A dead deer is always something to brag about. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, man, that's awesome. I'm excited for you. I, that's something that I've got on my bucket list and will probably mark off in the next four or five years going and doing some coos deer hunting. And I actually... Well, I tried to buy a coos deer hunt at a safari club banquet auction. This has been several years ago, and they didn't tell us that there was a minimum bid on it, oh. on the hunt, until after I'd bought it and they'd moved on to the next item. And then I went to go check out, and they said, well, you didn't get the coos deer hunt. Uh, I said, well, I didn't get it. Who didn't? Because you guys took my number down. They said, oh, well, there was a minimum on it. So I was pretty upset about that. Well, I but, bought this hunt two years ago at the Turkey Federation at the National Convention. Oh, wow. At the hunt auction. Yeah. yeah. This is where I got it two years ago. I was there, and I'm like, I've always wanted to shoot, you know, get a coos, and I'd gotten two elk, and at times so the freezer was good. I'm like, what's the next thing I could go for? I'm like, oh, I'll go for the smallest, <laughs> the yeah. smallest one I can, which is the coos, and I <laughs> saw the hunt there, and so I bought it there, and then the guy was great, and I, you know, pushed it for a couple of years, so I'd have time, and then it was wonderful. Man. Good when a hunt like that, you know, a good experience at a hunt that you buy at the convention. It's always nice that they work out. Yeah. Yeah. That is great. Well, fantastic. Well, I know you've got a busy evening ahead of you sitting in a chair and having a telephone headset calling. hooked up to your head with a conference <laughs> call going on. Yeah. So I don't want to keep you away from that call any longer than I have to, but let's jump in and, and get going with this. So, 
you are, like I said, running for the NWTF National Board of Directors. So tell us a little bit about yourself and why you are running for the board. Sure. So I am 46 for another month, and then I'll be 47. All right. I am married, have two girls, one 13, one 10. My oldest one does hunt with me. The youngest one, she'll sit with me, but she doesn't shoot. But the oldest one does shoot. Okay. I started my career at Arthur Anderson in the tax group. So doing tax returns in public accounting after graduating from, I'll say, USC. That's not South Carolina. That's Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> then after the my at Arthur Anderson... I went to work for one of my clients for a brief period of time and then started my own firm. I'd specialized in private equity and venture capital since the beginning of my career when I graduated from school. So I kind of set up a cool. consulting business to consult to those kinds of firms here in this, you know, San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And I uh, did that for a few years and really built up that firm and then was approached by three people that were starting up a Asia private equity fund of funds, so investing in other private equity funds in Asia. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to uh, help them out. Uh, they asked me to join full time. I said no for a little while. Uh, had some restrictions. One of the restrictions was I have a hunting problem and they needed to understand that. <laughs> and so I didn't want to hear anything about it when it's north wind and it's duck season and I have to go or when I disappear for a week during turkey season. That's just the way that it goes. Uh-huh. Uh, they agreed, and so I came over here. That was in 2006, and now work at Asia Alternatives as the uh, chief financial officer and one of the partners and owners of the firm. Fantastic. Uh, why I'm running for the board is, you know, I've been involved with the Turkey Federation since 1996, I think was the yeah ninety six or ninety seven was the first meeting that I went to when we started the San Francisco chapter with my friend Vince Rosedahl, who's on the board currently. We liked what they did, we liked what we heard, so we started getting involved. Vince has been very involved with the board and with the Turkey Federation for a long period of time, so I hear how things have gone. But you know, I had a young family at the time, or had no family actually at the time, just starting off. Mm-hmm. With my career and raising kids and having kids, it just I didn't have the time. And so I'm at a point now in my life where I have a little bit more time. I'm busy, but I have some more time, and I think I've acquired some knowledge, you know, just through living that would be helpful to the board of directors. You know, I've started up my own business and started up this fund. I have uh, some pretty unique experiences that I think I could bring to the board. And then one of the major reasons, it sounds corny, but is that, you know, I watch my kids hunt and I watch them want to go out and I take other kids hunting all the time. And I think it puts me in a pretty valuable place because I have a young family. And so, you know, it's something that I think that I bring that's a little bit more unique and that I have very, very young children here in California and can kind of bring that West Coast and particularly the anti-hunting that we see here in California and kind of mm-hmm. bring that to the Turkey Federation and try to, you know, we're never going to make it go away, but we can certainly help it. Right. Very good. So, as you already know, there are three open seats 
and there are six gentlemen running for those open seats. So we get to vote three times. Well, not three times, but we get to vote for three candidates. <laughs> so tell us why we should cast one of our three votes for you. Sure. I touched on it a little bit, but I think that, one, my love of turkeys, I know we all love them, but I have been addicted to this. I think like you, Andy, when I heard that first gobble, I just, I can remember it like it's like it just happened. And I mm-hmm. love turkeys, and I love where they are, and I love to watch them, and I love everything about them. And I want my family to be able to hunt them. And I think that, you know, the perspective that I bring from... California and with the young family, I think is valuable to the Turkey Federation and to all of the members, not just, the, you know, not just people in California, obviously, but I think, you know, for across North America, I think that that adds some value because things that happen in California, obviously, have a way of creeping into other places. Right. And I think the other thing um, that I think is very, that I bring to the table is my experience in finance. So, um, because I've built finance groups, I've built whole teams, I manage large teams in the finance, and I have a unique access to people's, and people and groups that a lot of people just don't have access to in the financial world. So I'm lucky to, enough to sit in meetings with some, uh, you know, I can't give out names, but with some pretty preeminent people in the business world and hear what they say and and how they run organizations and how they do things and how they build businesses. And there's obviously things that you, even though it's a startup company, that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to something that the Turkey Federation could do. So it allows me, you know, pretty unique access to these people to pick ideas, which is one of the things that I love to do is shut up and listen to very, very smart people in a room and then be able to take those things and apply them to my life not just my personal life, my professional life, but also, you know, to the NWTF and the other groups that I help. Yeah. All right. I hope that helps you to determine if you want to cast a vote for Bill. Now, next up is Scott Hill from New Jersey. Tell us a little more about himself and why he deserves one of our three votes. And I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today, Scott Hill. Scott's running for the NWTF National Board of Directors, and so I want to get him on today to tell us a little bit more about himself, and we're going to jump right into this. Scott, how are you and where are you? Good, Andy. I'm fine, Andy. How are you today? Very well. Thank you. Very well. Uh, I'm, up here, I'm up here in the Northeast. I live born and raised in New Jersey. Okay. But don't hold that against me, please. <laughs> Not that I want to be, but I am. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you, that you're busy right now, and we all are. Tis the season, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time out to chat with me. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for re-election to the NWTF Board of Directors because you actually are on the board right now, currently. Is that right? That's correct. I'm just finishing up my second term right now. To you know, keep it simple and and pretty quick here. I was one of the founding members of my local chapter. Twenty, we're gonna have our twenty third banquet, our twenty third annual hunting heritage banquet in February. So I was part of that group, and you know, since then I worked my way up, became involved, more involved with the chapter as far as being a banquet chairman, uh, a local chapter president, and then on the state board as a state board of director. Um, 
state chapter treasurer and then state chapter president. Held that position for a while and, and ran for board six years ago and, and was fortunate enough to be elected and get on. And then three years ago, um, got on the board again through re-election. So I'm you know, just very thankful. I'm very humbled. It's a you know, great group and, and an awesome group of volunteers across the country. We have an awesome staff down in Edgefield and in each state with our RDs and regional biologists. And you know, like I said, very humbling experience to be working with such fantastic people, especially my fellow board members. Yeah. Well, can you give us a little bit of information, those of us who don't know you real well, tell us why we should cast one of our three votes for you? I pretty much, I would appreciate the support. You know, like I said, I've been a volunteer in the organization for over 20, or a member for over 25 years, been involved in a chapter for, for 23 years. One of the parts that I really like as far as being a board member is I've gotten a bunch of uh, state awards banquets, you know, in, in the Northeast. And also I was out to Wisconsin one year. I've met a lot of great folks and just an opportunity maybe to give back a little bit more to the organization, to conservation and to hunting, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, some of the things, you know, and I, I don't want to see our sport dwindle down. I want to see us build it back up again, get, you know, youth involved and, you know, mentored hunting. I like to do a lot of mentored hunts up here. We have a Wolf Hill Wildlife Refuge who open our doors up to us. And we do mentored hunts with women, with youth, and with wounded warriors. So it's from that standpoint, it's really rewarding. And, you know, like I said, it's it's not about getting something out of this because every time I walk out into the woods come springtime and hear a bird gobble, uh, to me, that's it feels like I get paid a million dollars to do what I do. But Right. It's being a, being a volunteer and, you know, just having the opportunity to share experience with, with others. Good deal. You know, I am really glad to be able to get all those guys that are running for the board of directors on the show. This has taken longer than I planned, but I feel like it's been worth it. And I hope you guys do, too. Now, I don't know why I thought finding six complete strangers spread across the United States would be quick or easy. But I did get them tracked down, and we did get interviews, and so I'm excited about that. And I do want to thank my friend Bob Smith in Pennsylvania for helping me track down one of the nominees. Bob, I greatly appreciate that and all that you do to help promote the show. Next up for you guys is the final part of each interview with Bill and Scott, where we get story time with them. First up is Bill to tell us a story of his last successful turkey hunt and one or two things that happened on that hunt that helped to make it a success. Very good. So all this business talk is is awesome. I, I love it. I'm actually, I tell people all the time I'm a business nerd, so <laughs> I, I love talking all this stuff. But there's one thing that I love talking more than business. Let me and guess. I, I'm going to let you guess. <laughs> So uh, turkey hunting. <laughs> that, you're dead on it. You're exactly right. I don't know how you guessed that. <laughs> so can you share a little turkey hunting story with us and tell us the story of your last successful turkey hunt and one or two things that you did or that happened on that hunt that you felt like or feel like made it a success? Yeah, sure. The last spring turkey that I got this year in California, I had taken a new hunter. <laughs> One of the things I, I talk a lot about hunting, and it's surprising how many people 
in California and in the Bay Area are actually pretty interested in hunting. They just don't know anybody who does it. Right. And so I met a gentleman in my professional life, and he was fascinated about hunting. I told him, go get your hunter safety, and I'll take you out. So I took him duck hunting, and I told him, you know, the coup de craw is that we have to go for a, a turkey hunt. So we went on a turkey hunt, and we hunted for three days and heard one gobble. Oh, wow. And I was getting, you know, you've done that, right? When you're taking somebody new and you want so badly for them to see what you love mm-hmm. and you're trying so hard and if the turkeys don't want to do it, then they're not going to do it. All right. You could do. And in the last mid-morning, we were kind of doing a run and gun. So the place we were hunting uh, got about 120,000 acres. So you've got to just kind of move and move and move. Uh, mm-hmm. and call. And so we called into this canyon and got a gobble. And it was in a place where you could work it. And so this is where I think, you know, my turkey hunting today as when I first started doing this one, I thought the first time I went turkey hunting, I thought uh, they're big birds, they're upland game birds. So my friend and I thought you hunted them like pheasant. Uh, right. We were a little lost. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> we figured it out quickly. And so I was able to get them and move them. And we moved in right, you know, where I could get the bird to where I thought they would come and we had three longbeard strutters come walking right up and got to about 20 yards. I was a little intense and whispering in his ear not to move. I don't even remember saying it, but he, I'm not going to repeat the words that I used. But yeah. <laughs> it was to the effect that you're not moving anymore and stop moving. And uh, he was able to make a shot, take the shot. Meg and I was able to get a bird too. And they nice. kind of, you know, started pecking and, I jumped up and was, you know, going crazy, and he was just laying there shaking, just laying there shaking. And he's like, that was the funnest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and so now, you know, welcome to the welcome to the addiction. That's and right. and then I told him, oh, now, by the way, you get to go join the NWTF, which he's already done. So <laughs> Awesome. One of my requests, my re- always, if you want me to take you, then you're going to join the Turkey Federation. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a pretty exciting story. What do you think are the one or two things that you did or that happened on that hunt that kind of turned it around? I think it's patience. Yeah. You know, not giving up and knowing that, you know, when we would first hunt, if we didn't get a bird in the morning, we would quit. And knowing that, you know, at 11, 12, 1 o'clock is actually some of the, can be, at least for us in California, some of the best hunting. Um, when they've come away from the hens and you just got to keep working and keep working and keep working and keep calling and eventually you'll get a receptive bird if you just are out there. And I think, you know, back in when we first started hunting, we would have just quit. And so I think one is just, you know, the patience and the perseverance to keep going. And the second is, I don't know when you started hunting, Andy, but when I would hear a gobble, when I first started, I would panic and sit down. Yeah. Right where I was. And now I know, you know, or kind of know, when I hear something, you know, where they are and kind of how you can get close and how you can move in to try to really get in close to try to get them to come in and then use your calling to get them that last few feet. So that was, I think, huge was the fact that, you know, we were able to drop off one of the sides of the hills and then run down the side and then pop back up, put the decoy out and go. And I think by the time uh, we called again to them, you know, we were so close that they had to come look. They had to yeah. Come. 
And that's such a crucial thing. You know, if we don't put ourselves in a good position to see the bird, then we're never going to kill it. And no. so, yeah, I think so many hunts are are doomed from the start just because we set up too far away and there's so many things that can come between that turkey and us. And so, you know, that's another great example and a great point to drive home to all the listeners that just try to get a little bit closer. Use the terrain to your advantage if you can or use, you know, any blow downs or anything like that to your advantage. Yeah. And then I know when we first started, I would, it, we just panicked. If we heard a turkey, we just panicked. Mm-hmm. And it really was, you know, it took time to say, okay, I've heard them. Let me see what they're going to do and let me move. Because if you get right in close to them, I mean, you can only get so close with their eyesight. But if you can get right up there and then give them a call, and even if you just hand them, you, get, you know, if you get close enough, you'll piss that hen off and she'll come in and then his his dumb ass will be walking right behind her. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I enjoyed that story and have enjoyed talking to you and getting to know a little bit more about you. And I feel like, you know, this gives the listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you, more than what we can pick up in those little blurbs that are. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. I know you were working hard today, too. So thank you for taking the time to let me share with your with your listeners. Not a problem at all. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to you sometime in the near future. And are you going to the convention in Nashville in February? Yep, I will be there. Well, fantastic. And I'm going to put your telephone number in my phone, and when I get there, I will text shoot you when a text. you get there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd love to shake your hand and maybe buy you an adult beverage if you do that. Yes, we can, we can share an adult beverage. That sounds good. That and some stories would be awesome. Yeah, cool. All right, Bill. Have a great night. I wish you a lot of luck in the election, and we'll see you in February. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Now it's time for Scott's story about his last successful turkey hunt and one or two things that made that hunt a success. Can you share a little turkey hunting story with us and tell us a story of your last successful turkey hunt and one or two things that you did or that happened during that hunt that you feel like made that hunt a success? I could give you a hunt from last year, but there's a hunt two years ago that kind of sticks in my mind if that would be better for me to share with you. Sure, yeah. And pretty much I went out, you know, early morning. I live on the, where I am is situated in North Jersey. I'm right on the New York state border. So I can hop up into New York and, and hunt. And that's what I did one Sunday morning. I got to a location, had a bird goblin on the roost of me. He flew down and that was it. It was, it was done. So I walked out of there, you know, about an hour later, walked into another spot, you know, worked another bird a little bit and nothing happened. So about nine thirty in the morning, I went back to the spot where I had the had the first bird goblin on the roost that, you know, didn't want to, didn't want to play too nice with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I set up in there, gave a, gave a little call and bam, I heard him gobble. So I was there like, cool, put a decoy out and got set up, started calling within about five minutes. I hear crunch, crunch, crunch coming up through the, through the leaves. And they're like, Oh man, I said, this is going to happen. And it winds up being, I have two Jake's walk into my decoy st- sitting around there for about I don't know, 15 minutes or so. And I basically shut up at that point. I'm going, this can't really can't be happening. Well, <laughs> moving ahead, I let the Jake's walk off. 
And I'm just sitting there. I said, well, let me see before I, before I decide to pick up and, and move. And I called and bam, down in the valley below, a bird's, bird gobbled again. And I was like, okay, so game on. So give it half hour, 45 minutes ahead. I'm sitting there soft calling back and forth. You know, I know he's got hens with him because I can hear the hens. And eventually the hens start making their way up. They pull him up along with another long beard. And he, he comes in strutting, you know, and it was as soon as the hens started walking to me, it was pretty much lights out. And, you know, to me, that was, it was probably a pretty memorable hunt. I mean, it was probably a good hour and a half from the time the Jake's walked in to the time that Tom walked in. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was a really good time. It taught me, number one, be patient. Number two is don't give up if the when those jakes walked in and you know i I have nothing against shooting jakes if it's a legal game bird you know go ahead and do it um but you know i was just i'm just looking for a long beard at that point and it you know like i said don't give up hang in there and you know what just sit it out and be patient and you know to me that was that was a lot of fun not only from the standpoint you know i had the jakes come in and we're hanging around a decoy, but then when I had that bird and had the opportunity to work him and, you know, it wasn't like he was gobbling his brains out and running right in right away. I mean, that, granted, that's fun too, but had to, you know, there's some skill involved at that point where, you know, you got to know how much or how little to call and, you know, because you don't want to spook them off and, you know, you've got the hens and everything in there. So you make want to make sure you're tucked into a place nice and tight. So it was just a really memorable experience and a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like it. So do you hunt in New York a, a fair amount since you're so close to the border there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hunt, hunt New York and New Jersey pretty much. Good deal. You know, and then I, you know, I've, I've traveled to other states to turkey hunt and to deer hunt and things like that. Uh, for me, if there's a season, there's a reason. So I'd like to be out there, you know, whether, it, whether it's deer or turkey and, and, and having a good time in the outdoors because it's, it's just relaxing, you know, it makes you forget about things and, you know, realize how lucky you are to be out there and, with a with a weapon in your hands, being able to harvest a, a creature. Very true. Well, Scott, I want to thank you for taking time to come on and tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you're running for the board. And I wish you a lot of luck in the election. And hopefully you're going to be in Nashville in February. Hopefully we can hook up and let me buy you a cold adult beverage. <laughs> uh, Andy, I do really appreciate that. And you know, whether you're voting for me or one of the other five people that are on that ballot, I would encourage that you that if you're an NWTF member, please take a look, read over the bios and, you know, take the time to vote for your national board because that's part of what being an NWTF member is. And, you know, we really appreciate everything that the volunteers across this country do for us because without the volunteers, there is no NWTF. Very well said. Scott, thanks a bunch. Have a great afternoon. and. I will see if we can hook up sometime in February. Yeah, I will. I will make sure we find uh, we find you at a at convention. That'll be great. Thank All you. All right, Andy. Merry enjoy Christmas your holiday you. season. All right, Merry Christmas and yeah. Happy New Year. You too. All Bye-bye. right. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed those stories. I know I enjoyed them, but I enjoy every turkey hunting story that I hear. But it's really good to hear a story from each of these two guys. Okay, so that's all for this week's show, but before I let you guys go for the week, I need your help with something, if you don't mind. Would you please go to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, or whatever podcast player application you use to listen to this show, and leave a five-star rating and a review for the show. 
I would really appreciate that. And I know that any potential new listeners will appreciate that as well. Now that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.